Lesson from the first letter of St. Peter the Apostle. Dearly beloved, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, tend the flock of God that is in your charge, not by constraint, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not as domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd is manifested, you will obtain the unfading crown of glory. And after all you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. In that time, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The saving words of the gospel. We have today the feast of Saints Cletus and Marcellinus. And they were both popes. They were a couple of centuries apart. Um, there's a common point uh, between them, which one can always find a common point uh, amongst uh, uh, the great saints of the church. Pope Cletus was the third successor of Peter, or second, second, second successor of Peter, the third vicar of Christ. And he was so in Rome from 76 to 88. And Marcellinus was from 296 to to 304. Now, when you get into the like the early 300s, like 304 in this period, immediately the first thing that's going to come to your mind is the great persecution of Diocletian. And um, when uh, a great many a great many died for the faith, um, Cletus was um, at the time of the brand new emperor Titus. So we're in the Flavian period. You have to try to picture, you know, in Rome, they're building the Colosseum at this time. You know, so we're, we're very early in the early church. So Titus was the one who sacked Jerusalem, uh, as foretold by the Lord. And really until then, uh, these weird followers of Christ were really considered just to be a, a sect of, of the Jews. But now here is the center of of 
Jewishness on earth being destroyed with the destruction of the temple. And so the, <clears throat> the makeup and the thinking of uh, the church now uh, begins to shift at this time. Cletus uh, was a Greek, uh, probably ordained by Peter himself, and um, he began to uh, build up the, the Church of Rome uh, by one account of having ordained some 25 priests. So they're already, they're already building and building quickly. And if you have one man who can do that, then you have 25 men who can do more. And uh, you can see that already in the roots of, uh, as Tertullian describes, uh, the seeds of the church, the martyrdom of Cletus and these early Christians, we see the blooming and blossoming of what would become uh, something so great and worldwide later. Uh, St. Marcellinus died um, in 304. Um, as I understand, we, we don't know a lot about him. As I understand it, he didn't necessarily die direct bloody martyrdom, but he did suffer persecution, as did all the, the people in this period. I was reading around trying to find something about him, and I found a note, um, and I think it was in the book by um, the, the sacrament, about the sacramentary by St. Alfonso Schuster. He talked about an episode during the, the, dias, the, the persecution of Diocletian, when Diocletian the emperor sent troops out basically to sack the catacombs, the Christian catacombs of St. Callistus, to try to despoil them, which had been, you know, for over a century, the, the church's uh, place for burying the martyrs, and many martyrs and, and popes were buried there. But when the troops came, the Christians came and they blocked the entrances to the catacombs with their bodies, in order to protect the tombs. So, you know, let us keep in mind this when uh, we see uh, uh, mistreatment of the church. Now, um, in our reading today from uh, Matthew, we have the uh, famous scene in Matthew 16 about how the Lord changes Peter's name. Now, whenever a name is changed in Scripture, then that means that his role is changed and his, important is, his importance is changed. You think about those whose names were changed. Abraham. Abram was changed to Abraham, right? Jacob was changed to Israel, right? And so now we have Peter being changed, uh, Simon Barjona being changed to Peter. And uh, the Lord uh, gives him his own the Lord says that he will give him, he will give him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I've always wondered about this, and who knows, maybe there's somebody out there listening to this right now who can do a little extra research on this, just as I'm trying to. What is the very moment in which Peter becomes vicar of Christ? Is it at this moment? Because it sounds like there's futurity in this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will build my church. It's, it is, apparently the Lord, according to the grammar here, is not doing it now. He's going to do it later. And I have a sneaking suspicion that it, that, you know, this will come after the, in the, he breathes on them in the upper room in his first appearance in 
um, after the resurrection, but there he breathes on the entire college of the apostles and says, receive the power to forgive sins, whose sins they are you know, forgiven, they are forgiven in heaven and so forth. I am inclined to think that it's not until the rec reconciliation of Peter at the Sea of Galilee in John 21, which is the foundation of the intro at Antiphon for the Mass today. There's something to, to think about. Maybe I'll just reach out to all of you um, and maybe to look around and, and uh, consider this. Uh, we, these, these readings, um, especially this particular Mass formula, we get, uh, I think, over 20 times a year. And so we get these readings repeated pretty frequently. And, you know, there are those who uh, are great fans of the Novus Ordo, and they will fling an accusation that uh, the traditional Mass, saying, oh, well, you get those, you have to do those readings all the time, over and over again. Well, it's no, not that we don't, not that we have to do them, we get to do them all the time. And by getting to do them all the time, we get to reflect in them more deeply, and they become part of us. They get into our, the very marrow of our Catholic selves. Hallelujah. 